Well, this morning, I want to be resume a series that we began back in February. Uh, it's a series that probably feels like for many of you a, a distant past. And that's a series that we were in called Body Language. Um, I realize that right now in these first few weeks and all that has happened with the COVID-19 craziness and all of the things that have been put on pause. And there's times for me, I feel like it's almost like the world has been put on a pause button by way of the things being open and closed and where you can go and all that, that you have access to. But if, if you're new to the State College Assembly family via live stream, welcome, we're glad to have you. But one of the things that we do as a church family is we believe that God's word, that God desires to use his word to actively speak into our experience, that God desires to use his word to actively speak into our lives, that it's not just an archaic book of poetry or an archaic book of history that speaks to the past, but rather we believe that God uses it to speak into our current lives through his spirit and using his word to speak and bring transformation in our minds and in our lives. And so one of the things that we do as a church family is we'll identify a book or just pray over and find direction and find the book that we're going to be spending time in. And then we'll progress oftentimes through a book verse by verse. We'll just go slowly and allow God's word uh, to speak to us. Our intent and our aim is never just to get through the book, but rather it's allow those scriptures to get through us and to bring transformation and change in our minds and in our living. Um, and our desire is that we walk away knowing not only what we've read, but how to apply what we've read. Well, as I'd mentioned, we began a series back in February called Body Language. And as a quick recap, as we were studying through the letter of 1 Corinthians, as a quick recap for, for those, whether you've been with us or perhaps you're new to us as a church family, all of the messages are online. You can go to the church website and you can find the podcast, you can find uh, videos of the service, uh, and you'll be able to find those and you can get caught up where we're this morning we're in uh, number six in the series, so we're not too far into it, but just encourage you to, to go back and to look over those. But as a quick recap for you, in 1 Corinthians, it's a letter written by the Apostle Paul to a community of believers, a church of believers living in the city of Corinth. The full details of when Paul established this church are found in Acts chapter 18. You can go back and you can look uh, in Act, Acts chapter 18 and you can see the full story of Paul establishing this church. But one of the key things that we've identified and we notice when it comes to the church in 1 Corinthians, the church in 1 Corinthians is a church just like you and me, full of believers, full of individuals, living life, having family, having work, having their community. And they were living in a culture that was very much like our own, a culture that was very affluent, a culture that was very intellectual, a culture that was very sensual, a lot of things and a lot of temptations that were there. And so when this, these individuals became followers of Jesus, Paul began to give them instruction on what following Jesus looked like in a secular culture and in a secular world. And in all that we've covered with the, with the believers in 1 Corinthians, one of the things that we noticed and we identified early on, and really all of 1 Corinthians speaks to this, is that while the individuals, the, the body of believers in Corinth had identified and professed faith in following Jesus Christ, their lifestyle, their body language, the message they were sending by how they were living was very different and not consistent with the faith that they professed. In fact, in all that we've covered, the key issue the, the key challenge that they were facing was the choice that they were making as to which culture they were going to live by. They had to make a choice as to which culture they were going to live by. Were they going to live by and take their cues from the culture and the values of the world around them? Or were they going to live by the culture and the values of heaven? 
And for a follower of Jesus Christ this morning, while this letter was written roughly 2,000 years ago and we can glean a lot from it, that choice that they had in front of them is the very same choice that you and I face on a daily basis. Which culture are we going to take our cues from? Is it going to be from the culture and the world around us or is it going to be from the kingdom and the culture of heaven? And as a follower of Jesus Christ, we have to make a choice and that choice begins in our faith and it begins in our mindset as to which culture we're going to live by and which culture is going to be the, the dictating force in the decisions we make. And it's so transforming in our mindset and how we do it and how we act and how we respond. In Paul's letter to the believers in Corinth, and really this stands out in almost all of Paul's writings, is that he reminds them both as an individual and as a church that they have the Holy Spirit of God living inside of them. And because they have the Holy Spirit of God living inside of them, he reminds them that that changes everything. He tells them in 1 Corinthians chapter three, talking about as a community of believers, as a congregation, he tells them that the spirit of God is living inside of them as a community of believers. Then later in 1 Corinthians chapter six, he tells them again, but this time speaking of individuals, he reminds them when it comes to lifestyle and behavior that they have the spirit of God living inside of them that he continually reminds them that they have the Spirit of God living inside of them. And because they have the Spirit of God living inside of them, that changes everything. And as a follower of Jesus Christ for you and me this morning, you and I must remember that regardless whether you're living in State College, whether you're living in Seattle, whether you're watching this morning from Nairobi, it doesn't matter where you're watching from. If you have professed faith in Jesus Christ, while my culture here in State College might be slightly different than what you might find in your city and your community, what you and I must remember is that as a follower of Jesus Christ, we have identified with a very different culture than the world we live with. And that culture that we've identified with as a follower of Jesus Christ is one that is filled and formed by the Holy Spirit of God living inside of us. And the more in step you and I are with the Holy Spirit, the less in step we'll find ourselves with the world. In Galatians chapter five, verse 25, Paul tells the believers, he says, since we live by the Spirit, keep in step with the Spirit. That as a follower of Jesus Christ, you have signed up to follow the promptings and the guidings and the renewing work of the Holy Spirit inside of you. That it's a commitment that you and I are to make on a daily basis. It's a commitment that you and I are to make on a, on a continual basis. And the, being in step with the Holy Spirit means being out of step with the world. The more you and I are in step with the Spirit inside of us, the less we will fit in with the world around us. Jesus told his followers this in John 15, that the more in sync we are with him, the more we draw life from him, the less we're gonna fit with the world around us. The Bible is full of stories of men and women who we look back on and we can look, with, with, look back on them very heroically on ways they, they stood against the culture and the world around them. But you have to realize that in real time in their life, they had to make a choice, that they weren't being heralded as a, as a great biblical figure at the time. They were just saying yes to Jesus and yes to the spirit of God living inside of them and following him wherever he led. Ones like Daniel, ones like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, ones like Esther are great men and women who stood the test and stood against the culture and the, the flow of their world at the time by saying yes to the spirit of God inside of them. And I really believe for each one of us, for you and for me alike, that God by his spirit wants to raise up more men and women who are prompted and, and guided by his spirit, both in mindset, in speech, and in lifestyle, so that we're bringing change and transformation to the culture and the community around us. 
I really believe that in seasons that we're in right now, ones where things like the coronavirus and other things really seem to turn everything upside down, whether it be the latest news report on what's happening or the latest numbers showing, showing where things are at or, or even the, the, greatest, the latest concern over the economy. These are great times for you and for me to step back and let them be real revealers of our faith. I believe times like this carry a, a hidden gift of exposing some of the, the infrastructure of our lives and the infrastructure of our faith and the things that perhaps we've come to lean on and be in step with that are not consistent with the Spirit of God. In our home, we have, we have several kids. For those of you who don't know our, our family, we have eight kids. And we have a spot in our home where over the years we have just measured the height of our kids. And most people, most homes probably have a spot like that or I know when you move that that's something that, that is lost when you move from one house to another and it's kind of a piece of history you lose. But in our home we have, uh, we have a spot where over the years we've measured the height of all of our kids. Now with eight kids, it's kind of just like a black line uh, just up and down the wall, but we've measured the height of our kids uh, just up, up and, and as they've grown. And as we look at that, there's times where one of our kids will go and stand there and they'll, they'll say, well, how tall have I grown? Or they'll look back and we'll have the date by it of when we last measured them and we can see the growth and the height in which they've had. And I really believe that in times like this, that you and I face where, where things are different, our world is different, where we should be taking a, a deeper look into our faith and the things that we, we trust in, the, the, the manifestation of our faith and how we're living it out in the world around us. These can be those little markers that we mark on the wall to identify where we've grown or where we need to grow or how, how we've grown from where we last were when the last situation or challenge had come in life. And so this morning, I wanna look with you in 2 Corinthians chapter two, and I want to look at a passage that where we're at this morning. And then I want to give you three questions that you can use to help identify and measure your growth currently with where you're at in following Jesus. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, beginning in verse number 6. I want to look at verses 6 through 13. It says, We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom, a mystery that has been hidden, that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would have not crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him, these are the things God has revealed to us by his Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. What we have received is not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. So three things that I wanna give you from this passage that you and I can use to really identify and mark where our growth currently is at and perhaps identify areas that you and I need to grow in. The first one that I wanna give you, if you can put the first one on screen for me, the first one is what is your current level of maturity? Like what is your current level of maturity? One of the things that Paul identifies, and if you can go to verse six, 
One of the things that Paul identifies in verse six, he says this, we do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature. He says that we speak a message of wisdom among the mature. And you see where he says the word, he has the word mature. What he's talking about is when we talk about someone who's mature, we're talking about someone who has, who has arrived and reached their, their end point. He's talking about someone who is completely grown. Now, you and I have probably known individuals who have matured in one area, but have not matured in others. Individuals who are perhaps a mature adult in that they're physically grown, but perhaps they're, they're emotionally immature or mentally immature. There's a number of things where they're not quite mature. But when Paul talks about this and uses the word mature, he's talking about this complete growth. But he goes on and he identifies in verse six, he says that we speak a message of wisdom among the mature, not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. And he, when he uses this word age, it's very easy for you and me to think about it and think, well, you know, Paul wrote this 2,000 years ago. So he's talking about maybe his decade or even we'll give him his century. And just talking about that time, that era where people were at and, you know, 2,000 years ago, come on. A lot has changed. There's a lot of technology. There's a lot of things that have changed. So he's, back then they perhaps maybe just weren't quite as smart as we were. But when Paul uses the word age in the Bible, and most often when it's used, it's not just talking about that window of time when they were living. What Paul's talking about is the entire age of man, the entire age of creation. And what he goes on to show is that in man's wisdom, in his own way, in his own effort, will never attain and never reach that place where it leads to right relationship with God. All throughout 1 Corinthians, Paul has been talking about the, the, the gospel and, and the message that we have in Christ and that the world looks at it as foolishness. That human wisdom does not lead to, lead to the cross nor point to the cross, but rather it's a work of God inside the individual as we respond to the Holy Spirit working inside of us. And it's a great reminder when we look at this. Can you go back to verse six, the first part of verse six one more time? It says, we do however speak a message of wisdom among the mature, that maturity is the, in, is the focus of your walk with Christ. To grow in godliness, that's the aim, that's the goal, is that you're growing in godliness. It's God's wisdom received by God's people is intended to lead to maturity. It's intended to lead to growth. There's a, a number of different uh, messages in Christianity that you can flip to today. Even as you're watching this, you could probably flip onto a different channel or flip over to a different speaker and you can find all sorts of different messages on what the gospel means. You can find some individuals who will tell you that the, the gospel means that your life is going to be the best life now. You can find others who will tell you that the gospel means that you're going to be prosperous and have all of your prayers answered and all of your financial needs met. You're gonna find others who are gonna tell you all sorts of different messages on what, what the gospel means. But when we look in scripture and we see the gospel, which we talked about last week, is pointing us to the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. What it tells us is the wisdom of God, the gospel, the message of Jesus Christ is intended to lead to maturity. That God's aim in your life is maturity. His aim in your life is that you're more and more and more like Jesus and less and less and less like the world his aim is that you're more like Jesus, that the, the, the gap between you and being like Jesus is less and less, and the gap between you and being like the world is more and more. His aim and his goal in your life is continual growth, drawing closer to Jesus. 
And now for you and I, and, and really this is very easy to, to do because in, in our culture and in our day, it's very easy to find so many different messages that we can look to and to come into church and have everything prepackaged and nice and exactly the way we want it. And we can walk out with all of our quick little points and how to apply it. And I'm not, I'm not knocking any of those things or any, anything that helps you understand scripture. But we have so much at our fingertips that, that it's very easy and we can deceive ourselves. James talks about this, that we can deceive ourselves with information that never leads to transformation. And so it's so important to understand and realize that just because you're around church or even just because you made a decision to follow Jesus 20 years ago or 25 years ago, that if there's not been intentional change, intentional saying yes to the Holy Spirit, intentionally allowing him to work in your life and, and saying no to the things that you used to be and yes to who Jesus is leading you to be, that if you're not careful, the way I've said it before, is you can be 20 years wide in following Jesus and maybe one year deep. That the goal is maturity. The goal is that you're following Christ closely and that you're growing closer and closer and saying yes to him. In fact, one of the issues in the city of Corinth, and if you could put chapter three, verse one up. One of the issues in the city of Corinth is, is how they were immature. How they were not following, they, they were, had been around the truth, they'd been around the gospel, They'd been around the message of Christ, but they weren't growing. He says, brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the spirit, but instead as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. He says, I could not address you as, as people who are being influenced by the spirit, but he says, but as people who are still worldly. One translation says, you're still fleshly. You're still acting like mere humans. He says, mere infants in Christ. He says, just because you've been around the gospel, just because you're around church, around, around the message, does not necessarily equate to transformation. But it means taking God's word and allowing it to bring change and applying it into our lives. And a good example, and, and we're gonna look at this passage more in the weeks ahead, but this whole matter that Paul's talking about is dealing with division. That they were squabbling and arguing over which leader they liked more. And so they were living with division. And what Paul shows them is what's coming out of you in times of trial is really revealing how much of an infant you really are. And so when you and I look at our lives and we look at the situations we're in, I would look at your life and, and, and examine how hard does it have to get before your peace is disrupted? What happens, how, how, how easily is, your, is, is the storm that comes into your life or the challenge comes into your life cause panic? How easy does it just disrupt the flow of, of following Jesus, that Jesus becomes something that's later on in the decisions, but not first on? Uh, something I remember doing in, uh, in science class, in chemistry, both in high school and then in college, is when you're working with chemicals, sometimes you'd have to do a litmus test. And a litmus test is just take a, you have a, a piece of paper and, and it has just it's something on it, but when you put it in the, the, the liquid and you pull it out, it gives you a reaction. It shows you just how acidic that liquid is. That it's the litmus test. It gives you the picture of what's really there. And sometimes times like this for you and me can be that litmus test of our faith. Like just, just how, how strong is your faith in Christ really? Is it just as strong as the latest news release? Is it just as strong as whatever the next thing comes or the next storm comes or the next trial comes? Just how deep is your faith? So take time to look and to examine your faith and really you could examine your response over these past few weeks. How have you responded? How have you responded with, with the different things? Has there been, uh, has fear gripped your life? 
Have you responded with panic? Have you, has there been uh, all sorts of different feelings that come up or has it been to quickly look to Jesus? Now, I'm, I'm not against the preparations. I've talked about that in the weeks past, but I think there's wisdom in doing what you need to do to provide uh, for those that, that are under your care. Um, I think that there's wisdom in that, but at the same time, we have to make sure that we're doing the right things with the right motive and the right intent. And so take time to look in your heart and kind of that litmus test of your faith is how really, where are you at in your, your maturing, in your following Christ? What is your current level of maturity? Second thing that I would give you, the second question. The second question is how good are you at listening? How good are you at listening? Now I'd imagine some parents are there with your teens and you're looking right at them right now. It's like, how good are you at listening? And while that is probably a really good question you could have in a conversation you could have later, I'm talking more about how good are you at listening to the Spirit of God speaking in your life. Look at verses nine and 10. However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. These are the things that God has revealed to us by his Spirit. We've already touched on this and we've talked about this, but as a follower of Jesus Christ, your life is intended to be guided and directed by the Holy Spirit. Then he says this, he says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, what no human mind has conceived. These are the things God has prepared for those who love him. These are the things God has revealed, that he's revealing, his spirit is revealing and speaking. And when you go on and look at what Paul talks about, he's talking about the spirit of God revealing and speaking and shaping and forming and really taking the things of God and making them known to us, that it's God's spirit that's speaking to us and revealing himself to us. One of the things that I have found is that in life that, the best way that I can tune my heart in and my mind in to hear God's voice is to try to declutter all the other things that, are, that would distract and really cause me to look, look away and to not necessarily hear his voice in the way that I should or to hear his guidance. And when I talk about hearing his voice, I'm not talking about this booming voice from heaven. I'm talking more about just that inner whisper of the Holy Spirit as you're spending time in God's word, you're spending time in prayer and just the way that he guides and reveals himself to you. But I've found that the more cluttered, the more busy my life is, the harder it is to hear God's voice. But the more I begin to declutter and, and kind of take away those distractors, take away all of those things that, that distract me from hearing God's voice, then I can begin to hear and recognize his voice more. And I can really take an assessment of how good I am at really listening. And I really would encourage you in this season where things have slowed down and you might say, well, things haven't slowed down for me. I'm still working and I know most are still working, whether you're working from home or you're working, uh, you're working in the office or a little bit of both. I know that that has not slowed down. In fact, I think moving to digital creates more layers of, of work and more layers of communication that have to happen than rather just walking down the hall uh, to the person that you normally talk to. So I'm not talking about life slowing down in that regard, but all the other things that pull for time and attention as you're a parent, you no longer have that soccer practice that you need to get to. You no longer have those t-ball games that you need to get to, or there's all those other things that, that would normally pull on our attention and pull on our focus and, and consume time that we'd spend time running from one thing to the next, to the next, to the next. And in this season where, where those things have, have kind of gone to the wayside, I would encourage you to take time to evaluate your life and look, how good are you at listening and tuning in and hearing God's voice speak to you? If you're not familiar with and really a regular time of opening your heart to hear God's voice and to listen, now would be a great time to create a pattern and to create a, to create a pattern that would open your heart to speak and to listen. And so I would encourage you to do something, to 
in your own life, create a schedule just like you would have if your child had a soccer practice and you get the schedule and you knew that every Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, they had to be at practice from, this, from four to six and then they would have their games on these days. You'd, you would get that schedule and if you're like me, you would put that schedule in your calendar, you'd write it on your calendar and you would make sure that you're, you're protecting and guarding those times. So I would encourage you for this week, if you wanna develop a heart that's sensitive and open to hearing the voice of God, hearing his spirit speak and take the things of God and reveal them to us, then create a schedule, just looking at this week from now until next Saturday, create a schedule so that you can get alone and listen to God. And it's not just you sitting there and you know sitting cross-legged saying kumbaya or anything like that or getting in a quiet closet where no one can distract you and trying to clear your thoughts. It's not that. Rather, it's filling our thoughts with the things of God. And so I would encourage you to begin by creating a schedule that you can read. Perhaps read, read one psalm and then go in the New Testament and read one or two, two chapters in the book of John. But take a daily approach for one whole week so that your heart is being saturated with the word of God. Normally what we'll do is when we reach a time of crisis, if we're not familiar with God's word and we've not consistently spent time with him in his word and allowing our heart to be open to hear his voice, we'll do much like you'll see a, a little kid do at a pool. You'll go and you'll dip the toe in the pool and that'll be about it. So we'll go and say, I need a verse, and we'll kind of open it up and we'll find a verse that might work, and it's kind of like that toe dip, hoping to hear from God. But rather, I wanna encourage you this week to jump in and allow the Spirit of God to take the words of God and to speak into your life. As I said earlier, we believe that God's word actively speaks into our life. So create space for God's word to actively speak into your life. And then by the end of this week, if you've done that, if you've spent time, spending time with God and his word, and it's this opening your heart saying, God, speak to me. Help me to hear something from you. Help me to recognize you. And you're just, you're spending time with him. You're spending time with Jesus. By the end of the week, you have begun to dial your heart in and shape your heart to hear more and more from what it is that God might be wanting to say to you and speaking to you for you, for your family, for your situation. I'm reminded um, when I bought my first car, I had a 1984 Nissan Pulsar. And the, the radio in that car was one of those old, radios now everything's digital and I remember even like being frustrated that it was that type of radio taking it out and putting in a digital radio but it was one of those old radios where you had two knobs and you had a dial that you had to to scan up and down the numbers and you had to do it just right I'm sure many of you remember that you had to do it just right to get the the little uh, marker exactly to the number that you needed to be able to get the radio station that you needed to hear and if you were just a little off one way or the other that it would uh, you would really not be able to get the signal And when you take this week and you spend time in God's word and you create a consistent pattern of opening your heart and immersing your heart in God's word, what you're doing is you're dialing in the the sensitivity of your heart to hearing God's voice. You're dialing your heart in to recognize and to know how it is that God wants to speak to you and how he wants to to speak through you. I'm reminded of a, a character in the Old Testament, a young man by the name of Samuel, and in Samuel's life, you can read the whole story. He has two books. He has a Samuel chapter, First Samuel, beginning in chapter one, really begins to give the story of him. But in First Samuel chapter three, Samuel is an answer to prayer to his mom who was not able to have a child. And so she takes him and she dedicates Samuel to the temple and he begins to work for the high priest and his sons. And I want you to listen what happens in 1 Samuel chapter three. This is as Samuel begins to dial his heart in to hear the voice of God and to listen. 1 Samuel chapter three, verse one. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli 
in those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. Let me just stop there for a second. It says there were not many visions. People weren't hearing from God. The voice of God was not being, being heard. Verse two, one night Eli, Eli's the high priest whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called to Samuel and Samuel answered, here I am. And you can read on in the story and you'll see that Samuel originally is thinking it's, it's Eli calling him and he runs to Eli and Eli's like, no, that's not me. And it, it begins this journey of Samuel tuning his heart in to hear the voice of God. He tunes his heart in to recognize that God is speaking to him and God is speaking actively into his life. And so it says that the story goes and it says that Samuel began to tune his heart in more and more to hear God's voice and to say yes to God and, and responding and God began to speak to him more and more clearly to the point where his word, as, as Samuel would speak to the nation of Israel, the people recognized that it was God speaking through him. Now I wanna fast forward several years in Samuel's life. He's older in life. He's now a, a, a very significant figure in the nation of Israel. In fact, for the nation of Israel, Samuel is now recognized as being the prophet, the one who brings the voice of God to the nation. Samuel is also recognized as being the kingmaker. He's the one who has identified King Saul and has crowned King Saul and is, King Saul is now leading the land. And so when Samuel shows up in a community and he shows up in a town, it creates quite a stir. In 1 Samuel chapter 16, it says that when Samuel arrived to a town, he had a mission from God that he was there going to the house of Jesse. It said that when Samuel arrived, if you look in the earlier verses, it says the whole, the elders in the town trembled. They were concerned, they were saying, God's doing something and we're not really sure what it is. And, and they, it says they trembled, they were, they were concerned, they were aware. And God has sent Samuel there to, to make the next king, to crown the next king. And so Samuel goes and he goes into the house of a man named Jesse and invites Jesse to bring all of his sons. Jesse has eight sons. He brings seven of them and eventually brings the eighth, who's David, who becomes King David in scripture. But I want you to see something that happens with Samuel. Can you put verse 16 up? But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider. So Samuel saw the first brother, thought this guy is definitely the king, outward visibly looks like the king, looks like he should be the king. He's, he's fit, he's handsome. He looks like he should be the guy who's leading this nation. So Samuel's thinking, this is the guy, and he gets his flask, he's ready to anoint this guy to be king. But then God says to him, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. He says that the Lord said to him, the Lord said to Samuel, now I want you to picture Samuel in the place that he's at right now. He is the man, he's there, people recognize he, he brings the voice of God, so people are concerned, they're, says they trembled, they're afraid. Jesse is there, they're in Jesse's living room. Jesse's there, he's got his seven sons, later he brings David. I would imagine there were some servants, perhaps a mom or so, there was just people in the room. And so Jesse is there, Jesse's sons are there, Samuel's there, there's a buzz, there's an excitement, there's, there's all this chaos happening in this, the family room of Jesse, and yet in all of that noise, in all that's happening, it says that Samuel heard God speak to him. In everything that's unfolding, Samuel is so dialed in to hearing the voice of God that in the midst of all the chaos, and in fact, in the midst of what his visible eyes tell him should be, what he sees visibly with his eyes and tells him should be the king, he recognizes what God's telling him not to do. 
Not only does he recognize what God's telling him not to do, he recognizes the voice of God speaking to him. Now, I would suggest that Samuel hearing God's voice in a crowded living room, buzzing with excitement in 1 Samuel chapter 16, is directly connected to Samuel being willing to hear God's voice in the, in the stillness of the night in 1 Samuel chapter 3. That he was tuning his heart in to hear God's voice. And I just encourage you and challenge you at home as you're watching this and you find yourself like all of us in a space in a season that none of us really could have predicted. But in the midst of all of it, I would encourage you to ask yourself, what is God saying to me through this? How is the spirit of God speaking through my life? What is he speaking to my life? What is he speaking to my family? What is he speaking to my circumstances? It's so easy for us to get our head down and, and so down on our circumstances and so focused in on the current block of life that we're living. But God, by his spirit, wants to get our eyes up and our hearts open to hear and receive from him. Something that God challenged me on early on in ministry, and I, I just recently was sharing this with someone else, with a friend of mine, and, and I've found that if, the more I dial my heart in to hear God's voice, the more he's speaking, the more he's, he's revealing and I've come to realize that many times I'll, I'll take a message and I'm working on it and I'm praying over it and as I'm getting ready and, and there's a few days between when I'm preparing and then when I'm actually writing it and my mind's just kind of turning it over and I'm praying over it. And I've found more times than not, God will drop an insight. He'll, he'll, he'll just whisper something into my heart. And most times it's at the most inconvenient times. Sometimes it's in the middle of, of working out. Other times it's, it's while I'm, I'm in the final minutes before I'm dozing off to sleep. And those insights and those things will come. And something that I, I really was convicted of early on in ministry is that we're called to be good stewards. We're called to be good stewards as a follower of Jesus. We're good stewards of our time. We're good stewards of our finances when we give. We talked about giving, staying faithful in your giving. We're good stewards of our talents. And I began to realize that I need to be a good steward of the things that God was speaking into my life. And so whether it be the middle of the night and I wake up with an impression in my mind, I get my phone out or I, get, I used to have a notepad behind, beside my bed, I'd write it on. From the middle of a workout, sometimes I'll email myself that thought so I'll remember it and not lose it. But it's recognizing the more I'm saying yes to what he's saying to, into my life, the more I'm, I'm tuning my heart in to listen and to receive more. And so I would encourage you this week, look for the different ways that God may speak to you. It might mean a, a verse that, that you're reading that connects with something that we've talked about this morning or a song we sang. It might mean that something else connects with another part of your day or just a verse that begins to stand out to you or you're just an impression on your heart to pray for somebody. Just recognizing how the spirit of God is speaking and revealing and really as we're responding to that, it's bringing growth in our lives. But take time to examine how good are you at listening and then the third thing I would, I would share with you, the third question is what is your current level of appetite? What is your current level of appetite? Look in verse, uh, verse number 12. What we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God so that we may understand what God has freely given us. It says that God has freely given us. He is freely speaking, freely revealing, freely allowing his, his spirit is speaking into our lives. Um, There's a, a verse in Proverbs and I won't turn to it this morning. It's in your live, uh, your live notes, but it's in Proverbs too. And it talks about this pursuit and this hunger for the wisdom of God, this pursuit and desire to receive the things of God. But it goes, it's connected to in verse one, the willingness of, of the individual to receive what God has first spoken but it's this hunger, this willingness to receive what God is freely giving us. That he's continually speaking. 
He's continually making himself known to you and to me, and he desires for us to receive it and to grow with a greater desire for more of him. As I've mentioned in this time where we have... um, just more time on your hands where you're not running to different commitments and appointments in the evenings and and all the different things that would normally pull on time and attention, is I would encourage you to take time to look at which appetites you're feeding in your life. Which appetites are growing? Which appetites perhaps have been there and you've just not taken time to address them? And which appetites do you need to be growing? I'm not talking about your physical appetites, but I'm talking about an appetite for the things of God a desire for his presence, a desire to know him more. Uh, It's so easy in this time to allow other things to occupy our attention and to occupy our time. I know many are getting stir crazy being at home and I've seen different uh, individuals, I've seen some post different ideas about binge watching certain shows and uh, other ways to fill your time. But a challenge that I've, I've mentioned in my home to my kids and it's really a challenge I've have before myself, and I think I shared it with you on Wednesday during the the midweek uh, segment that I shared. But I don't want to end this season, this time of staying at home, this time of quarantine where we're not able to be out and around and doing some of the things that we'd want to do. I don't want to end the season having spent most of it staring at a screen. I don't want to end it realizing that I spent most of this extra time that was a gift into my life having stared at my phone or stared at my tablet or stared at the TV or, or even stared at all sorts of other things that would demand our attention. There's so many times we, we go through life and I'll hear people say, well, if I can make time for this, I'll do that. If I can make time, and that's kind of a phrase that, that I hear if I don't have the time or I'll make time. But in the midst of all of this, time has been made. So spend time in the right way so that it develops the appetite and the hunger and the desire for the things of God. I've already talked about a a way to invest time in in growing in God's word by creating a reading pattern to use this week. I would encourage you to pick up a book. Find a book that you can read that, and perhaps you're not a reader, here's a great chance to to take a a fresh crack at it. But find a book that advances your faith, a a book that challenges you, perhaps in an area that, that you need some growth in. If you need a recommendation, put it in the comments. I'd I'd like a good book recommendation and I'm sure there's many who will fill that in for you and we'll throw it, I'll throw in uh, a comment or two. One of the books that I'm currently reading, I'm I'm reading a book called Yes Changes Everything by uh, by the Advance, by um, Bill and Donna Advance, or John and Donna Advance. And it's a book about saying yes to Jesus. And the more we say yes to him, the more doors he opens up in our lives to not only invest in others, but to allow his spirit to work in us in a greater measure. But do what it takes to cultivate a greater appetite for the things of God. On Wednesdays, we have a time of prayer as a church. We call the church to prayer from seven to eight to create space in your own home to call out to God. Encouraged others, you can Zoom conference call with other families and other individuals and you can pray in that way, but to protect that time of prayer. But use that to cultivate a a heart and a desire, an appetite for time with God in prayer. You might look at that and say, how do I pray for an hour? Start by five minutes and then turn it to 10 and then turn it to 15 and keep building on it until you get there. But you don't just arrive there and think, well, I can go and do this, but spend time cultivating an appetite and a desire for the things of God. I would encourage you to spend time in worship just like you did this morning. Don't view the worship service as a performance, but view it as something that you can participate in that's developing and shaping your desire to worship God more, to worship him freely. 
Um, one of the, the many hidden gifts in this time of where we're at as a church in this space and, and really doing service like this is that one of the things that I think is a gift is that it brings worship, it brings prayer, it brings study of the word, it brings the biblical education of investing in our kids, it brings all of that back into the home. For so often, it's, it's very easy to look at the church and look at that as being, that's where worship happens. To look at the church as that's where I really spend my time studying God's word or it's the church that's going to educate my children on the things of God. But now this season has forced you to really look at those spaces and parts of your life and it brings it back into the home. And so look at your level of appetite for those things and what are you modeling for your children? What are you modeling for those who are under your influence? Are you showing them that your greatest desire is for more of God's presence? It's for more of him? It's to know him more? And I would encourage you to feed the right appetites now and they will grow. Develop the right habits so they will become your new normal so that like Samuel in your life, when your life refills and gets full and gets busy, that God's voice is able to still actively reveal and speak to the very specific things that he desires to speak into your life. Tune in now so you don't tune out later. Allow his voice to become so clear and dominant in your life as you follow him. And as you do, know this, verse, I'm gonna go back to verse nine and then I wanna pray for you. Verse nine says this, however, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. Friends, that promise is for you, is for your family, is for your life, not for the future, it's for now. That's a promise that God has for you right now that he will reveal himself to you in a way that you've never known. But it begins by opening our heart to listen, cultivating an appetite and a desire for the things of God and being willing to allow him to stretch us and to lead us to places where we need to grow. And so this morning, I want to many times, I've given you a couple of things to pray over and then we'll, we'll conclude and I'll encourage you to pray over right in your home. But I want to pray this morning over you and then I'll dismiss and I'm gonna encourage you right where you're at, just to stand. You can stand with me and I would encourage you, you can, you can actively pray right in your home as I'm praying, as I'm praying out. You can pray over these things about, God, help me to grow in maturity, help me to see the areas, and perhaps you may already know those, but the areas that you need to grow, most of us probably already know those. Uh, those areas that you need to grow, you need to grow and growing in your mindset, growing in your speech, growing in your life, things that need to, to go away in order for you to be able to grow more effectively in following Christ might mean growing in how we spend our time. Uh, a second thing is to pray over our active listening, tuning in to hear God's voice, recognizing his voice is constantly speaking into our lives and is tuning our hearts into hear and to recognize how it is that he's speaking and what it is that he's saying. And then the third thing is to take time to pray over your, your desire, your appetite for the things of God, to invite him to cultivate a hunger and a desire. In Romans, it says that God's word brings faith. It sparks faith in our lives. Invite God by his spirit to begin to renew a faith and a hunger and a desire in your life for more of him. So I just wanna pray. You can pray out on those things in your home, but I wanna pray over you right now. And you can just lift your hands. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Heavenly Father, right now I come to you and God, I pray, I thank you for the active work of your Holy Spirit in our lives. I thank you that you are not committed to leaving us where we're at, but God, you're committed to growing us. 
You're committed to leading us. You're committed to speaking into our lives. You're committed to, to shaping us. And God, I invite you right now by your Holy Spirit to show each of us where we need to grow. I pray that you would lead us, God, to show, show us where we need to grow in Christ-likeness. Show us places and parts of our lives that are Christless, places in our thinking, places in, in all that we are that, that need to be renewed and shaped to be more like Christ. I do pray that you would show us, God, where we need to allow your spirit to bring a renewing of our mind. I pray that you would renew our thinking, God, renew our thought patterns. Show us where we've allowed the culture and the ways of this world and the norms of this world to influence and shape the way we think and the way we respond to the world around us. I pray that you would show us, God, uh, unhealthy thought patterns that, that lead to cycles of, of defeat, cycles of, of shame, cycles of where we, we don't view ourselves as being good enough or accepted enough or living in spaces of fear and defeat and shame and failure. I pray that by your spirit right now, you'd begin to renew our minds and show us those pieces and parts of us that you wanna bring into perfection in you. We invite you right now, God, to show us where we've allowed the, the culture to influence and to shape us, whether it be in our parenting, in our living, in, our, in, our, in how we behave, in all of the parts of our lives, we bring it to you. I pray that you would show us where we need to grow in humility. Show us where we need to let our pride die. Show us where we need to grow in being more like you. We invite you by your Holy Spirit to develop in us a heart and a mind to listen. I pray that you would train our hearts to hear you more clearly. I pray that you would show us all the things that, that we allow to drown out your voice. I pray that you would help us to recognize your leading, your guiding, your teaching, your influencing in us. And I pray, Lord, that we would become more and more in tune to you so that our yes to your voice, our yes to your leading becomes a, a much more natural response. That it's not clouded with doubt and question of if it's you, but would recognize so clearly that it's your leading and your guiding and we can say yes to you. And then God, I pray for us. I pray for my life. I pray for every individual who's watching this morning. God, I pray that you would create in us a greater hunger for the, for the things of God. I pray that you would create in us a greater hunger for time with you. I pray that you would create in us a greater desire to worship you. I pray that you would create in us a greater desire for your word just to seek you and to hunger for you more. I pray that you would create in us a greater desire for holiness, to be set apart for you. I pray, God, that you would lead us to build our lives upon you, to focus our hearts upon you. And then, Father, I do pray for everyone who's watching. God, I pray for those who've tuned in this morning and are not in right relationship with you. Lord, I thank you that in your word, you declare that salvation is found in no one else except through the name of Jesus. And I thank you that you've made that way so easy and so accessible. And God, I pray for those right now, God, that they would respond in their heart to that prompting, to that leading, that guiding of your spirit. God, I pray that right now they would acknowledge and confess their need for you, Jesus. That they would acknowledge their need to turn to you and turn away from their sin. And that in that acknowledgement, Lord, they would recognize the work of your spirit has begun inside of them. I pray that as they place their hope and their faith in you, Jesus, that you would begin to lead them in the renewing of their mind and all the things that we've just prayed, that they would encounter you right now in the room, right now with where they're at, that they would experience the newness of life that Jesus only you can bring. Lord, I thank you for each one that's, that's tuned in today. I thank you for this time that we've had together in your presence. I thank you for your love and your goodness and your faithfulness to us. We thank you in Jesus' name, amen. Friends, for you this morning who are watching, 
I know I mentioned earlier, but if you have a prayer need or something that flows out of what we've talked about today, feel free to, to email us or leave a comment or uh, mess, do a, a message directly to the church page and we'll get back to you on that. And then friends, if you make a decision to follow Jesus or you want more information about following Jesus, feel free to message us as well and we'd love to connect with you further on that. But the Bible says that when we place our faith in him, when we, look, place, when we confess our need for him, that he creates new life in us right away. That it's not something that you have to come and be at the building and church to do, but it's something that Jesus does inside of you as you place your faith in him. For the rest of you this morning, I know that as you prepare to go, I just wanna read a final blessing over you. And then please know that we are praying for you this week. Uh, you're in our hearts, you're in our prayers. I encourage you to tune into the video, the different postings throughout the week, um, the prayer focus on Wednesday. But reading you out of Numbers chapter seven, Numbers chapter six, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Dear ones, we love you. We're praying for you. And we look forward to regathering with you soon.